Okay, uh, let's turn in our Bible to Job chapter 38. And we're going to uh, continue with the series that we started last week. Talk about singing, the necessity of singing. I don't think I'm going to be able to get her done this week, so I think we might do one more week on this. But uh, it's one of those things as I was getting into it in the scripture, it just began to expand on me. So I'm going to do my best, but I think we'll probably need another week on it. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. And I, and I just ask you, Lord, right now to anoint the scripture and speak to our heart right now with Holy Spirit revelation. Fill our minds with understanding and clarity. Lord, we need you. We need understanding in this hour. So open our hearts. Open our hearts and release understanding of the word. Be alive in the scripture. This word is living. So be alive in it to us today, I pray. Now, Lord, I pray also, stand with me here and hold my hand. Now, let me speak as an oracle. In the name of Jesus, good. Everybody said amen. Okay, Job 38. I want to read this interesting verse. Here we have uh, the Lord, and he is rebuking Job after... uh, Job said many things about the Lord, and some were good and some weren't so good. And, and, and so the Lord, the book of Job is fascinating. If you've never really spent any time in it, it's really fascinating. And it's full of nuggets of wisdom. And uh, so what ends up happening is Job and his friends have this conversation that lasts about, you know, 34 chapters or so and then the young man Elihu he comes on the scene he he begins to declare the right knowledge of God and then God shows up the the messenger proclaims and then God shows up behind it and the Lord appears to Job in a whirlwind he actually comes in an Ezekiel 1 style whirlwind and begins to declare to Job out of that it's really very intense and he's rebuking Job and he I, this is this one verse. I just, I just like, Lord, don't ever say this to me. It's verse two. He goes, "Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge?" And I mean, if the if the shoe fits, then say it to me, Lord. But man, I don't ever. <laughs> that's not the word I want to get in my morning quiet time. You know, who are you who's darkening counsel by words without knowledge, Billy? I was, I'd be like, oh, <laughs> I probably wouldn't be able to preach for about three years after that. So uh, he's rebuking Job and he's correcting Job and he's bringing Job to understanding. And, and, and one of the things he says to him is, is here in verse 4. He says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? He says, where were you on the day, on, where were you during Genesis 1, Job? Where were you when I was doing the creation of the universe? Where were you when I was laying the foundations of, of the planets and the sun and the stars and the solar system. He goes, tell me if you have understanding. If you know everything, Job, because Job had said earlier in the book, if the Lord would just appear to me, I would tell him why I'm righteous. God goes, okay. Look, God's always right, and the problem is never with him. <laughs> no, really, God is always right, and the problem is never with him. You can land that one right now. And so that way you don't ever say something like what Job said. Well, if the Lord would just appear, I would just tell him. Oh, would you? 
And he goes, where were you when I made the earth? Where were you when I did Genesis 1? Where were you, Job? If you've got understanding, let me know. He goes, oh, who set its measurements? Who's the one that measured it all and, and set it all up? Who did that? Since you know, or stretched out the line of it, who's the one that, that did the, the length and the width of this thing? On, that, on what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? So he's, he's, Job is, I mean, oh no, I mean, he's trembling. And then the Lord says this in verse 7, which gives us insight into the drama that was playing out when the Lord was actually doing creation. He goes, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Now, here we get a little glimpse into the activity of the angelic realm prior to creation. They sang. They were singing when God was doing Genesis 1. They were standing by and singing glory and praises to the Lord. They were declaring his, his, his power and his majesty and shouting for joy. You know, it's interesting. You, you kind of go, well, wonder what was going on in heaven prior to the creation. Well, it's real clear in Job, and then it's real clear in the book of Revelation in chapter 4. What was going on was a lot of singing, a lot of singing and music. And your heart will tell you this. You, you kind of know this inside of you, but the Lord has so fashioned our frame. He's woven uh, music and singing into our DNA. It's kind of interesting how we're so musical in our orientation. You know, you'll, you'll learn a song and be singing its lyrics before you even read, you know, register that you're actually singing. You know, sometimes that's not a good thing. You know, you find yourself in a department store or some kind of place where they're playing music over the top and you're singing some song out of the, the archives that you didn't, you didn't want to remember that song, but you are. And you go, whoa, 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 whoa. I can't sing that. That's not godly. But uh, it's because our frame is so woven together with this issue of music and singing. He's woven us together that way. And the reason why is because from the onset of creation... From the onset of creation, God wove uh, uh, music and singing into the fabric of the, the created order. So it's part of our DNA because it's the part of the DNA of God's hand in creation. They were singing at creation. The, the Revelation 4 says they never stopped singing. Those, those living creatures around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy. And so as far as we know, from the moment that the living creatures were created, they've been singing. Beloved, there's been a song going on in the, the throne room in the realm of God forever. Singing is important. Worship is important. Music is important. We look at the... Uh, the judgment on Lucifer in Isaiah 14 and in, in Ezekiel 28, when you see this, and he's, and he, and he's, he's uh, speaking the curses uh, over Lucifer and, and saying, you're, you're cast down. And, and he, he references that the very makeup of the archangel had musical instruments in it. Now think about that for a minute. Harps and timbrels, and he actually had sounds that... The, the archangel actually had sounds coming out of his being. Well, it's reasonable to think that many angels have sounds coming out of their being. Because God created them. And God has sounds coming out of his being. 
and music and song. He likes singing. And so we need to get this, that music and singing are this, their core. They're central to the fabric of the, the created order. They're central to the fabric of our DNA. Now you might, you might go, well, I'm not that interested. I'm not really a musician. I'm not really, you know, I'm not really a singer. Yeah, but I bet if we had a hidden camera in your car or in your shower, we might find out something a little different. You know what I'm saying? When others aren't around, I bet if we had a hidden camera, we would see you busting into songs sometimes. In a certain sense, this place, talking about earth and this drama of humanity, the whole thing is a musical. So many songs that we just live our life by just singing all the time, whether we want to admit it or not. Well, some of us are more gifted. They're gifted to our ears. Now, to heaven's ears, I just go, I mean, does any of it sound good? Here we are, these finite beings and we're singing and God's in perfection and I'm like does any of it sound good he loves all of it so he loves the most accomplished singer's voice and the most you know frog croaking can't barely carry a tune in a bucket voice he loves both of those voices at exactly the same level now we'll pay a really good singer and we'll run from a really bad one but God is delighted over both of them no listen listen I'm I'm speaking a word right now. All you really bad singers, God loves you. He loves your songs. He's into it. Humans will pay for it. God's delighted in all of it, whether it's good or bad, to our ears. He loves all of it. On key, off key, atonal, perfect pitch. He doesn't care. If you're singing, he loves it. He's delighted in it. Because he's woven it into our being, he's woven it into the fabric of creation. It's, been what, it's what they've been doing in heaven since Genesis 1. That's what he was saying to Job. He goes, where were you when the morning stars were all singing? You ever thought about what that could have looked like the days before the creation of the earth with the angelic realm and they're singing, singing, singing? What are they singing? What do the songs sound like? The themes coming out of, the, out of the very heart of God and the angels, you know, ebbing and flowing with those th- themes, singing amazing songs of beauty and majesty and glory to the Lord. Well, this is, this is our portion. This is what we're made for. We're made to sing. We're all made to sing. Whether or not you can sing good as a human would understand it or not, you're made to sing. Your vocal cords aren't simply just for words. They're for songs. They're for songs. It's woven into the fabric of our DNA. It's woven in the fabric of creation. Now, I want to focus on this. I want to focus on something called the new song. We, we've kind of maybe heard that phrase a little bit. And we tend to, you know, in charismatic and prophetic kind of circles, we'll throw that term around, the new song. And uh, I've never really done a lot of looking at it. I mean, some, but there's things that are coming clear to me that I hadn't noticed before. Uh, feel like the Lord's helping on this point. But I want to talk about this, this thing called the new song. And, and uh, it's an important, the reason why we need to focus on the new song is because it is a, surprisingly, a critical part of God's plan at the end of the age is to use a, uh, what's called the new song. He's going to use the new song like a battle axe at the end of the age. He's going to use the new song 
to propel so much spiritual activity in the earth, the new song is going to be key to what God does in the earth at the end of the age. I personally believe part of the reason that we're seeing a greater groan in creation and an escalation of these things we call birth pangs in the earth is because there's so many new songs being sang around, around the earth. Because of the rise of the worship and prayer movement, we're seeing an escalation uh, of events that's leading us, it's hastening us towards the day of the Lord. You know, the new song in, in scripture, it's so critical and it seems like such a little... You know, thing over there for those prophetic flag waver people. But I'm telling you, it is front and center in God's end time plan. And we've got to get this. So new song, that phrase, new song, it only shows up nine times in the scripture. That was surprising to me. I thought it showed up a lot more. Six times in the Psalms, once in Isaiah 42, and twice in the book of Revelation. The new song. And uh, I thought, wow, it's got to be all over, but it's just a handful. And so I want to just kind of work us through the uh, kind of the different times it's mentioned in Scripture and let you see how important is the new song. Now, I want to define it for us. I, uh, in my understanding of it, the new song is it's a song that is spontaneous that has to do with a new, uh, fresh touch of the grace of God, a new impulse on the heart, a new moving of God. And so from, from that place of that, that freshness of encounter, a song comes forth. Now, there are many songs that are new songs that are spontaneous in this way that we're describing this the spontaneous song because God is, is moving in some way in your life and that spontaneous song comes forth. Many that are new songs. Now there's some that are, that are really intensely anointed and they, they move an entire congregation. We call them prophetic choruses. That's the term we use. Those are new songs. Very, very often they're brand new songs and, uh, and we, we sing them, and uh, the whole congregation will begin to sing those new songs with force, and you'll feel something shift in the spirit of a meeting when a, a, a prophetic chorus comes forth, and there's energy on it, and everybody together sings that song in, in concert. There's, there's power. And so the new song, it releases shiftings uh, in the spiritual environment. And so it's a spontaneous song, at the new activity of God, whatever he's doing. And the new activity of God could just be uh, he, he, he did something uh, uh, you know, today and, you, and you're blessing the Lord out of that thing that he's doing. But it's that, that spontaneous song that comes out of the, the, the new activity of God. A lot of times it's gratitude and praise. And, uh, but here's the deal. There's many new songs, and, but it's going to culminate with a key new song at the end of the age. And there are several scriptures that identify that the earth together will be singing a specific new song and that new song is going to bring the culmination of this age. So now hear my point. We're singing beings. God made us this way. We sing and we, we worship the Lord with song we sing spontaneous songs that have prophetic power on them and they release movements in the spirit 
unto, here's what's coming, a global new song that will be sung by the church all over the earth. And that new song will release the second coming. Okay, this is then not a side issue. This is a front line issue. This is a critical issue. And if we don't get this point of the new song, we're missing the very vehicle that the Lord is going to use to catalyze the second coming. (laughs) This is really important. Now, the new song is for, you know, let me just say it this way. The new song does bring a freshness in the atmosphere of worship, but that's not primarily what it is for. It's for the release of God's power and his grace in the earth. And I'm going to take you through biblically how that works. Now, Psalm uh, Psalm 33 is is the first time we see the new song in scripture. And in Psalm 33, it's just a declaration to sing. It's what I did last week. I called you to sing last week. I said, sing, sing, sing a lot. And so Psalm 33 goes, sing, let's sing to the Lord. Let's go on and let's sing. And let's sing a new song to him. So there's a command in Psalm 33 to sing the new song. So that's something that you can actually decide to do. I mean, it it can be as simple as that. I'm going to sing new songs to the Lord because the Lord is good. I'm blessed today. And you just sing. And I do that all the time. I I never thought of it as, oh, wow, I'm just following Psalm 33 to sing in the new song. But really, there's a command in Scripture so you can actually just voluntarily enter into that command and just begin to sing your new song. Now, some of us, when we sing a new song, it doesn't mean that the whole congregation is going to want to sing with us because we don't sing so good. Some of us, our new songs are just going to be for us in our car or in our shower or maybe with you and your family. What a beautiful place to sing new songs. Just sing little choruses to the Lord. And I, I do that all the time. Just make up my own praise song and sing it to the Lord. I would encourage you to do the same. And Psalm 33 gives us that picture that we're all encouraged to sing. And it's just a spontaneous song of praise. It arises from revelation that's on our heart. And we sing it to the Lord. And you can sing a new song anytime you want. But then in Psalm 40, and this one's going to come up on your screen. You can turn there. Look at this, Psalm 40. I... This just struck me when I saw this. Look at the context even. Look at verse 1. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock and established my, my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. He put it in my mouth. It's a prophetic song. So the new song then is something that we can say yes to and engage in. And then the new song is also something that God will put in your mouth. And it's a song here. It's a song that seems to have compelled David's deliverance. He goes, he took me up out of the miry clay. He he, he set my feet upon the rock. He's put a new song in my mouth. And the new song has a power of deliverance. In Psalm 32, verse 7, David describes, In the time of trouble, you will surround me with songs of deliverance. And I believe the, the Psalm 32, verse 7, songs of deliverance, he's talking about are these new songs that he put in David's mouth. 
Two separate times when David was facing challenges and going through trials and going through troubles, he said, the Lord has put a new song in my mouth. And the new song ends up being this catalyst to bring deliverance in David's life. That's powerful, beloved. If you think of the challenges and trials uh, that anybody goes through individually or that we're going through in the earth as, as birth pangs and groans and challenges and trials increase, this releasing of the new song is going to be a deliverance vehicle for the people of God. Are you guys, y'all with me? This is seriously good. Amen. He's going to release prophetic songs to set captives free. He's going to release prophetic songs to to release deliverance in people's lives. He's going to release prophetic songs that that seems like there was no way. He goes, I was in a pit. I was in the miry clay. He goes, I was stuck. He goes, I was waiting patiently. And he releases a new song and deliverance comes. Beloved, that's powerful. And so I want you to take note when we're singing and we're singing spontaneous choruses and the singers will sing and, and the new songs come out, you know, we feel a lot of energy and sometimes we're engaging in those new songs. We're just spontaneously singing them in, a, in an obedience to Psalm 33. And then sometimes Psalm 40 is happening and he's putting the new song in our hearts. And we're declaring the praises of our God. Now look at this. Look at Psalm 40 verse 3. He says, he's put a new song in my mouth. It's a song of praise to our God. Look at this. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. So what David is saying is that the sound of the new song, the sound of the prophetic song released in the congregation of the righteous, the sound of the prophetic song released through the singers and musicians, what happens? Revelation comes. Many will see. Eyes of understanding open. Eyes of, of, that have been darkened and minds that have been covered with scales. He goes, many will see. Man, beloved, there is coming a time when the singing of prophetic singers and voices, the bride singing is going to have a revelatory effect on, on the, uh, the nations of the earth, on the globe. The, the prophetic song is going to release revel- revelation to the eyes. Many will see. What we have right now, I mean, we've got a sin issue in the earth, but man, you know, I've noticed that sin issues get answered when there's a lot of revelation. <laughs> You know, when you get a revelation of God, you go, I don't want to sin anymore. So the the singing of the new song and the declaration of the praises of our God, the beauty, the glory of our God, that declaration of the new song, that prophetic song that the Lord puts in the mouth, man, when that thing is sung, it will lift the blinders off the eyes of the unbelieving. It will lift the blinders off the eyes of the church. Many will see, and what will they do? They will fear. They're going to tremble. Revelation is going to come and wisdom is going to come. Wisdom is the fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom. Well, the fear of the Lord is also to to hate wickedness and to hate haughtiness. And that's what's going to come is the, the declarations of the new song. The new songs are going to come. And the Lord is going to release revelation and the Lord is going to release the fear of the Lord and trembling and then they're going to see and fear and then what are they going to do? Put their trust in the Lord. 
the new song, the prophetic song, the prophetic spirit on the singer singing the new song is a catalyst for revelation, the fear of the Lord, and mass salvation. Many. Does it say many? Many will see and fear and trust God. This is important. It's something we can voluntarily enter into. And I believe it works like this. As we voluntarily say yes to singing and say yes to the new song, as we voluntarily engage, then the Lord will begin to drop the new song in our hearts, drop the new song in our mouths. And so we sing them individually and we sing them corporately. And when we sing them, it releases revelation. Well, of course, that's why when you sing the word, it seems like there's a a release of revelation. When you sing the new song Many see and fear, and they begin to put their trust in the Lord. They're converted unto God. Okay, now flip over to Psalm 96, just a few more pages over. Here we go again, verse 1. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. All the earth. The prophetic declaration from the mouth of David. He says, let all the earth sing the new song. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Look at this. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations. His wonderful deeds among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. I love the Psalm 96 for a couple reasons. Number one, I love it because this is the Psalm. This and Psalm 105 are the Psalms that David gave to Asaph, who is the chief song leader in the tabernacle of David, on the first day that they started night and day prayer. So Psalm 96 and Psalm 105, those are the two Psalms that David had ready for the, the tabernacle of David on the first day. And you can find that in First, first Chronicles 16. And so these, this song has a specific implication to the house of prayer. Because when they started the tabernacle of David, this is what they sang. Now the other thing is, I love it, because it's a new song. This song is itself a new song. It was a first time song that they sang at the revelation of night and day prayer being released. So it, in itself, by definition, was a new song. I love that. Well, the other thing is this. When you go through this psalm, it gives you so many of the main messages of the house of prayer. The knowledge of God, the beauty of the Lord, end time judgments, mass revival and salvation. This psalm is such an interesting psalm in that regard. But here's what it's saying in regard to the new song. When you look at it in context, he goes, sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth, sing to the Lord and bless his name. Now what it's saying there is, here's what I want you to do. And then the next phrase is, and here's the content you're supposed to sing. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He's to be feared above all gods. What this is telling me in regard to the new song is this. That the new song sung around the earth is hand in hand with the gospel proclamation sung around, uh, preached around the earth. 
These things go together. And I believe we're going to have many who are singers who are going to sing the song of the Lord. They're going to sing the new song. And many who are lost are going to hear the gospel in the new song. And it's going to go right through them and pierce them. And they're going to get born again as a, as a result of the sound of the new song. This thing is critical to us that we would get a prophetic spirit on singers, on a whole company, not just on those on the platform, but on the whole community, that the prophetic spirit would be on everyone, that we'd all be singing the songs of the Lord. And so when the new song comes, it's one that the Lord puts in our mouth, we engage together and it goes forth like an arrow proclaiming the good tidings of the gospel of the Lord. Oh, beloved, this has got a powerful connection to what Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the earth and then the end shall come. The new song is connected, intricately connected to the proclamation of the gospel to the ends of the earth. I love it. It goes on in verse nine of Psalm 96. It says, all the nations will tremble before him. I love that. I just, the nations trembling. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The whole earth trembling as the, the bride adorned in the beauties of holiness. I mean, saying from a, a holy heart of consecration to the Lord, totally given to the Lord, partnering with his heart, wearing the very beauty of holiness, the bride singing the new song, and the earth shakes. The understanding of this is critical to the way God's going to play things out in the earth. The, the idea... That the last 25, 30 years of, uh, uh, in the church that we've seen a massive worship and prayer movement explode. And, and, and it, so much of it is led, it's worship-led prayer. It's like the two barrels of the shotgun. He's loaded them up at the end of the age. It's night and day prayer with the new song combined. I mean, that is like a nuclear concoction that the Lord is releasing on the earth that's going to ultimately cause the nations to tremble. The songs of the Lord, I tell you, it's, it's Amos 9. When you read Amos 9, you see this, that they're going to restore the tabernacle of David. And, and what's going to happen? They're going to possess the remnant of Edom. Edom would speak of Muslim peoples. It, it, that would be Jordan. And all the Gentiles, the song of the Lord, I, man, I'm telling you, I feel this. The song of the Lord going forward with the prophetic anointing on it is going to be the answer to mass salvations in Islam. It is going to bring many to the knowledge of God, the possession of Edom and the Gentiles. I tell you, when the song of the Lord goes forth, anointed singers singing the song of the Lord under the prophetic spirit, the nations will tremble before God. He does this uh, transaction in the spirit. It's through the songs that power is released. Man, we, we can't think of this issue of singing as some side issue. It's not. It's front with the Lord's game plan at the end of the age. So we sing, we sing the gospel, we sing about his glory, we sing of his wonderful deeds, we sing of his greatness, the worthiness of who he is, and we call everyone to tremble. Oh, we call him to tremble before the God of all majesty and glory, the God of all creation. Listen, some would say, well, I'm just a singer, I'm not a preacher. Never say that. You are 
I mean, loaded in the kingdom. And God is going to use the song as such powerful proclamation. I would say this. If you are a singer, you are a preacher. That's how it's, that's how it's going. And in a minute, we're going to be one bride with one voice singing together and the whole bride united under the anointing of the Holy Spirit singing the prophetic song is going to be the proclamation. We're all going to be a cannon unleashing gospel bombs to the nation through the prophetic songs. The voice of many waters, the bride together singing in concert the new song releasing power in the earth through those songs. Now, Psalm 98 is an interesting psalm. It's the It's the twin brother of Psalm 96. I mean, it is the twin brother psalm. You look at the language here, it's like so, so similar. And what's interesting to me is both psalms end with virtually the exact same verse. They they have virtually the same exact phrase that they end with. Let's look at Psalm 98. We'll just read the whole psalm. Sing to the Lord a new song. Now, this is interesting because Psalm 96 says, tell of all his wonderful deeds, tell of the good tidings, tell of everything he's done. And Psalm 98 tells it from the, from the other side, he has already done them. It's powerful because if you think of it, you can see his one song is encouraging the church at the end of the age with what's coming. And the other psalm is encouraging the church at the end of the age from the vantage point of, look what just happened. I love prophetic writings. He goes, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done wonderful things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained the victory for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. See, in the other one, we're going to proclaim his salvation. Here, he's made known his salvation. Do you see it? Okay. He's revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He's remembered his loving kindness and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. That's, that's got eschatological implications for sure. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Beloved, all the ends of the earth are going to see the salvation of our God. And it's going to come under the stroke of the new song. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Break forth and sing for joy and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre. With the lyre and the sound of the melody. With trumpets and and the sound of the horn. Shout joyfully before the king. Let the sea roar and all it contains. The world and all those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy before the Lord. For he is coming to judge the earth. (laughs) He will judge the world with righteousness and the people with equity. Well, you know what's interesting is that Psalm 96 ends with the exact same verse. Before the Lord, for he, for he is coming. He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in faithfulness. Here's the thing. The new song not only releases deliverance as it did for David. It not only releases the gospel proclamations to the nation and causes the nations to tremble. The new song has massive eschatological implications even unto releasing the judgment of God. Now here's how it goes. The new song delivers you from trouble and troubles the earth. (laughs) 
It does both and. You are my hiding place. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. And the deliverance that the people of God can hope in is obviously in Jesus, but it's through the vehicle of the new song in the time of trouble. I tell you, the new song will release deliverance for the church and release uh, the, the judgments of God on the earth at the same time. It's powerful. You know, we kind of don't really know what we've got into what we've gotten into here with this singing all the time and praying all the time and you're just doing it. You know, we're, we're trying to be obedient. I'm going to tell you in a minute, the Lord's going to kiss the prayer movement. He's going to kiss it and authority is going to come on the song of the Lord like we've not seen. I'm not just talking about a few worship leaders get to sell a, a lot of CDs. I'm talking about power on the singers as they sing the word of the Lord and men's hearts are written too. I'm talking about real authority, gospel authority, as singers sing the songs and cancers fall off of people. I remember Alan Hoodie had a dream, and in the dream, the song of the Lord was coming off of the platform, and they were having a healing ministry, and, and during the healing ministry, many people were laying hands on other people, and, and as they were laying hands on people, people were getting healed of dramatic things, I mean, coming out of wheelchairs, and, and cancers, and AIDS, and all these things, they're getting healed, 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 and everybody thought it was the guy laying the hands on, but it wasn't that at all, it was the power coming off the platform, the new song that was being sung, it was delivering the captives. Man, the Lord in a minute is going to kiss the prayer movement. I tell you, authority is going to come on the new song. And it's not just, listen, don't, don't imagine that what I'm saying is it's just those that are in the house of prayer. There are so many that are a part of the worship and global prayer movement that aren't particularly like connected with IHOP or the house of prayer. But they are as much part of this worship and prayer movement uh, as anybody, you know, as, as anybody. And so, they're, I mean, there's going to be all sorts of people singing the new song with power and authority. They're going to gather for the concert. You know, Phil Wickham, he'll gather for the concert. He'll have... 20,000 in front of him, he'll sing the new song and power will be released. You know, I mean, there's, a, there's many voices across the nations that the Lord is going to anoint. And I tell you, ultimately, it's going to be the bride in some that he will anoint. So the new song has power for gospel proclamation, but it also has power to release judgment. Now, let me show you how this thing is, is going to un unfold. I'm just going to skip Psalm 144 because I've already made the point. But write this in your notes if you're taking notes. Psalm 144. It's when the Lord delivers David. It's that song of deliverance again. He goes, I'm going to sing a new song to you. He goes, it's in the middle of all these floodwaters coming on me. He goes, I'll sing a new song. It'll be a means of my deliverance. Look at it on your own. Psalm 144, 7 through 10. Okay. Now, finally, let's flip over to Revelation 5, and let me show you where this is going. And next week, we'll just take a little time on Psalm 42, and I mean Isaiah 42 and Isaiah 24. <sighs> Revelation 5, you must study Revelation 4 and 5 if you haven't ever put any time into it. You've got to study it for a season. I mean... Take a month or two, minimum, and just take, take some time in. I've made Revelation 4 and 5 a hobby of mine. 
for the last seven, eight years, just focusing on it, just always coming back to it. There's several things that I've made a hobby. Song of Solomon, I've made a hobby. End times, I've made a hobby. And, and the beauty realm, what's going on in the throne room of God, there in Revelation 4 and 5 and, and, and Ezekiel 1 and the different chapters, Daniel 7, I've made those a hobby. I always come back to them. They always move my heart. I just, oh my gosh, I have no idea what you're like. So Revelation uh, 4 and 5, in Revelation 4, John is having an encounter in heaven. He's seeing the Lord, seeing him, uh, the Father uh, arrayed in glory on his throne. In Revelation 5, the call goes out. We see the Lamb, and the call goes out and says, Who is worthy to open this scroll that's in the hand of the Father? So the Father is holding a scroll in his right hand, and that scroll, when that thing is unlocked, that's going to be all the judgment events for the book of Revelation that end up ensuing. And the, the seals are all, uh, seven seals that are on that scroll. Each one of those seals, when they open, another judgment opens on the earth. And then throughout the book of Revelation, what you have is the rest of the judgments come as a result of that scroll being unlocked. And so the, the question that's going on in heaven is the Father has got this action plan for the earth at the end of the age. Now, who in all creation is worthy to unlock that action plan? And so they do this, they do this thing, and, and, and they're essentially they're looking for somebody found worthy, and no one is found worthy, not one person. Is found worthy, not Lucifer, not one human. Nobody's found worthy, not one archangel, Michael. Nobody's found worthy. And then Jesus, John begins to weep much, it says. I mean, can you imagine? He's in the throne room and he's weeping much. He's, he's heaving over this issue that nobody can bring about God's end time action plan. And then Jesus steps up. And he does the most unthinkable thing. This man who is God, but he's fully man. He's fully God and fully man. He walks up and he touches the eternal father and takes the scroll from his hand. And man, it is the, it is the crescendo of the activity in the throne room of God. This is a day to come yet. Jesus is going to take that scroll in a day to come. He's going to open those seals. That's coming to the earth, beloved. That's coming to the earth. Now here's the deal. When he takes the scroll, verse 8, when he taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Notice this. The bowls are full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. The prayer movement in the earth, across the globe, it's going to fill the bowls that are in heaven, those bowls that hold the prayers of the saints. Those bowls will get filled, and that will bring about this activity of Jesus coming and getting the scroll. We're hastening the day of the Lord and his return through prayer, beloved. It takes full bowls for Jesus to take the scroll. You see that? The bowls were full, which are the prayers of the saints. Verse 9. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You've made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. This new song, beloved, is so critical. It's, it's unbelievable. 
at the sound of this new song, we culminate chapter five and we go into chapter six. When this new song is sung, Jesus pops the, uh, the seals. Jesus Christ, Savior, Lamb slain, shed his blood for our redemption, loving bridegroom, Jesus Christ, judge of the nations, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who opens the seals on the scroll. Jesus. He is in charge of the activity of the end of the age. And you know what compels it? This heavenly new song. Man, beloved, if we could comprehend the the power that the Lord has placed in the hands of, of those who would sing. The singers are just those who would sing. And when this song is sung, I believe that heavenly chorus will be resonated in the earth. And I believe it is now. We've got to pay a lot of attention to this. But this heavenly chorus, when this thing is actually sung in the throne room, that's when the lamb takes the scroll and he opens the seal. And you know what the two main points of this are? The main two points of this new song they're singing is this. Number one, you are worthy. You're beautiful. You've triumphed. You're worthy, Jesus. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. He's beautiful. He's majestic. He's glorious. And you're worthy to release the judgments on the nations. You're majestic. You're beautiful. You're you're powerful. You're glorious. You're worthy. And you're worthy to open the scroll. This is the Jesus we've got to partner with. This is the one we've got to understand. We've got to comprehend him. And I tell you, this activity of singing, oh, I would never have thought it. It just seems like the the last thing the Lord would use. You know what I'm saying? It just seems like he would use something better. Use six foot eight men who are muscle bound to, I don't know, do something. (laughs) Use something that's beautiful or powerful or human something that seems exciting. It's none of that. He uses songs. Songs. Can you believe such a thing? He uses the weakness of singing. The humility of singing. We lift our voices. And this is what causes deliverance. It's the gospel proclamation. It's the judgment events. It's the new song, the prophetic sound on the singer's. Oh, the Lord's ways are not our ways. You see, I mean, he just does it a different way than we would do it. That's why we must engage in singing. This is what's on his agenda, singing. Thankfully, it didn't say good singing. That would count a bunch of us out. Count me right out. He just says, sing it. Sing a new song. Sing the praises of our God. Sing the glory of the Lord. Sing the beauty of the Lord. Sing the good tidings of the Lord. Sing the gospel proclamations. Sing. Sing Zion. Sing. Sing the songs of the Lord. And at the sound of the new song, right there in Revelation 5, Jesus takes the scroll. And it culminates with this. You are worthy. You've redeemed us by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue, you've made us kings and priests. And here's where it culminates. And we shall reign with you on the earth. 
He's coming back, beloved. He's coming back. He's coming back and we're going to reign with the Lord on the earth. He is our portion. This thing doesn't end at the end of this age. We're birthing another age. The kingdom of God on the earth. We're birthing another age. That's why it's called birth pangs. We're birthing the kingdom of God. Amen. Okay, let's stand. This is why we sing. We lift our little weak voice and we just sing. We just sing our little song. Because we're engaging in a much broader plan that the Lord has that's actually going to culminate with end time judgments and the return of the Lord. It's going to culminate with the gospel proclamation of the nations. He's going to use songs. I just thought he would use something better. <laughs> something different. Obviously, it's nothing better. It's, his choice is the best. I mean, I'm just in my little mind. I thought he would use multimedia extravaganza something. It's not, it's songs. Little voices lifting their voice. You and me singing together. Unbelievable. All right, let's pray. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for illumination. I pray you would open the eyes of our understanding. God, that you would compel our hearts. Lord, I pray deliver us from being like the mule unwilling to yield and deliver us from being like the unbridled horse running ahead. God, I pray that we would come into sync into the rhythms of your heart. I pray we put away lesser things, distractions and entanglements and we would embrace things that are so simple that you've given us like singing. I want to sing the songs of Zion. I want to sing the songs of the Lord. I want to sing the song of the Lamb. The song of Moses. The Lord has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider is thrown into the sea. You are worthy to take the scroll. You are worthy to open its seven seals. For you've been slain. You redeemed us to God by your very own blood. Out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. We shall reign with you on the earth. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, release revelation to us.